You know, we talk a lot about the way that people make purchase decisions as well we should. We always want to know about the buyer's mind. But what about the salesperson's mind? And today we'll get into it with a very, very special guest. Welcome to The Buyer's Mind, where we take a closer look deep inside your customer's decision-making mechanism to reverse engineer the perfect sales presentation. Now, please welcome your host, Jeff Shaw. Well, welcome everyone once again to The Buyer's Mind, the podcast where we try and figure out exactly what people are thinking when they're making that purchase decision. And, and we know that if we understand the way that they want to buy, we can reverse engineer a sales presentation accordingly. And we talk a lot about The Buyer's Mind on this podcast. Of course, that's what it's called. Uh, but today we're going to look at the seller's mind. Uh, before we bring on our special guests, let me welcome, as always, our show producer, Paul Murphy. And uh, Murph, we're going to talk today to Brian Tracy. Uh, you know, that word legend gets thrown around a lot. What do you think? Does it apply here? You know, anybody can write 70 books. Uh, that's uh, quite a bit of experience there, I'd say. <laughs> uh, no no doubt about it. And you know, he's prolific in his writing and his speaking. And you know, if you follow him on Facebook, you just see him all over the globe. Uh, the guy is just absolutely uh, just a, the true world traveler. He speaks to sales organizations. Uh, all around the world, I've spoken to millions of people, and and uh, I had the opportunity a couple of years back to be able to sit down and do an interview with Brian Tracy. It was actually going back, oh, probably five years now, and we've never actually aired that on the buyer's mind. And so, Murph, you had the idea. Uh, hey, listen, let's 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 bring him on. Let's let's uh, let's have him on the buyer's. Well, I mind. wish I could take credit for that, but we actually have to give that to our teammate Allie, who uh, brought that to our attention. Uh -huh. And so, uh, credit goes to Allie. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ali. I appreciate it. So, uh, Murph, I, I know it's just such a fantastic interview. Uh, Brian Tracy is just somebody that's well worth listening to. Let's do that. Let's listen to the interview with Brian Tracy. And then Murph and I will be back uh, with some conversation and some direct application as to what you can do to be your best mental self. Here is Brian Tracy. I'm joined by the great Brian Tracy, uh, one of the uh, great sales and success thinkers of our generation and somebody who just a personal hero to me. And uh, it's just a, a, a thrill to be talking to you. Welcome, uh, Brian Tracy. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a delight. Uh, I, I want to get right into it here because I know you study the attributes of, of success, not just in sales, but in life in general. And, and when, as you studied the attitudes and the skills and the abilities of sales success, I wonder if you could comment a little bit about confidence and how important that confidence is on the scale of sales attributes. Well, I think self-confidence is the most important single quality for success in any field, but especially a field where you risk rejection and failure every single time you open your mouth. You know, it's interesting. Salespeople have to expect to be rejected four out of five, nine out of ten times to find an interested prospect. So they have to have tremendous self-confidence. And one of the things that really helped me when I was young is I was terrified of speaking. I almost I used to go to the bathroom behind bushes in the neighborhood when I was going from door to door. I was so scared of going up to the door. And then one day a professional said, remember, doesn't mean they're rejecting you, it's just simply a normal visceral reaction to a sales approach, a commercial approach in a commercial society. And that kind of snapped it for me. And I realized from then on, no matter what anybody said, it wasn't personal. And I just smiled. 
And uh, But self-confidence is really the most important requirement for success in any entrepreneurial venture, including and especially sales. When you look at that self-confidence, and, and uh, in, the, in the book I talk a lot about boldness or humble boldness, sort of a servant boldness, is that something that you believe is more in the DNA of someone, or is it a skill that can be developed over time? Well, I, I have taught selling, as you know, to, to probably two or three million people, but I've also taught professional speaking, public speaking. And what I found is that everybody starts off afraid. Everybody's nervous for a whole variety of psychological factors going back to childhood. So therefore, it is a learnable skill. You can learn to be bold and courageous by simply doing the things and engaging in the behaviors that you would if you were already bold and courageous. There's a law of reversibility in psychology that's really not taught in the books, but it says that if you feel confident, you will act confidently. But if you don't feel confident, if you act confidently, the action itself has a backflow effect, a principle of reversibility that will actually cause you to feel confident. Until finally, it locks in, and as you say, becomes a part of your DNA, and then you're okay. I would assume that part of that is based on the idea that when you appear confident, then people respond positively to that and give you energy accordingly? Yes. Well, the, the, exactly. The, the hardest part is this, simply the first part. It's like picking up the telephone to make a call, mm -hmm. knowing that your chances of negativity and rejection are extremely high. Mm -hmm. um, and you look at the telephone, you look at the telephone, you walk around the telephone, you go and get a cup of coffee, you come back and look at the telephone, uh, you review your notes, you look at the telephone again. Right. Just pick up the phone and dial the numbers, mm -hmm. and as soon as it rings on the other end, all of your fear disappears. Mm -hmm. so, so, so it's just like the Michael Jordan approach to success. Just do it. Right, right, right. Just do it. Now, one of the things that I think uh, a lot of salespeople struggle with is that discomfort. And that's what my book is about is all throughout the process, we're going to face a series of discomforts. So you've been talking to a prospect for a while, and then that little voice pops up and says, this is a good time to ask for the sale. And suddenly, you know, you could sort of freeze up a little bit. And I think part of the concern here is that some salespeople are concerned about crossing that line into manipulation or sleaziness or anything that they've seen from some of the less than scrupulous sales trainers over the years. How do you find the line between confidence, boldness, uh, appropriate levels of assertiveness, and crossing the line into manipulation or uh, uh, causing somebody to do something that's not in their best interest? That's a great question. And of course, if you've heard or seen uh, sleazy uh, forms of closing, you're very nervous about the whole thing about closing. But I do find closing is very inviting the person to make a buying decision mm -hmm. when you assume that they are. In fact, I'm doing a seminar in Finland. I was just on the Skype with my client there. He wants me to do two hours on closing. Well, I just did a a full hour on that for an international group two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And what I talk about is, is in closing, you start off with making sure that you're speaking to the right prospect, making sure the prospect understands the values and benefits of your offering, making sure the prospect has no further questions or concerns. And then you sort of reach out and take the prospect's hand and just invite them to, to make a buying decision. Uh, I had a great experience when I was started off, which really changed my life, is I was terrified of closing. I would talk enthusiastically about my product and explain it and everything else. When it came to the close, I would just go blank, and I'd say, well, what, do you, what, what would you like to do, or what do you want to do now? And they would always say, well, I'd like to think it over. I'd like to think about it, call me back. And then I started 
realizing that the problem was not in the customer, it was in me. It was, wasn't my offering either. So I began to study sales closing techniques. I began to read and read and read and read and read. I'm probably one of the world's experts on sales closing. My sales closing, audios, videos, books, and everything else have been sold to millions of people. Um, and it transformed people's lives. I know countless people who told me, you made me a millionaire. You made me a millionaire. You took me from terrified mm-hmm. to basically a sales superstar. Well, so one of the experiences that I had, Jeff, it's very simple, is I would make my presentation, and I always say, well, uh, let me think about it, call me back. And I came across this closing technique in the morning when I was reading before I went selling, and it said, once you've made your sales presentation, there is nothing more for the client to know. There's nothing that they will ever learn that will uh, enable them to make a better decision than they could if you asked them for it right now. So the next time I spoke to a client, the first thing I said is, well, uh, let me think about it when I call me back. I'd say, I'm, uh, I'm sorry, sir, I don't make callbacks. And I remember I had my, I, my heart was pounding because I made, made a decision, this is what I was going to say. My, I was making about, all of three sales a week at this time. Mm-hmm. Cold mm-hmm. calling, going from office to office. I said, I'm sorry, I don't make callbacks. He said, what? I still remember his face. He said, what? I said, sir, I said, everything you could possibly need to know about making a decision, you already know. You will not learn anything new when I leave. So either it's a good idea for you or it's not. Why don't you give it a try? And he said, well, if you don't make callbacks, then I'll take it. And he took out his checkbook and wrote, wrote me a check. And I sat there shocked yeah. because for yeah. weeks I had been hearing this and I'd say, okay, I'll call you back. And of course you never get back to them. I went to the next office next door. I did the same thing, said the same thing. Well, call me back. And I said, I don't make callbacks. And I said the same thing. You know, everything you need to know to make a decision right now, it's a good deal. It's a fair price. Why don't you just take it? He said, well, if you don't make callbacks, I'll just buy it now. And then I went to the third office. I made three sales in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. making three sales a week, knocking on doors, 10 or 12 hours, a day, and I made three sales in 45 minutes, just simply by learning a closing technique. And for me, the dam broke. From then on, I became an animal for understanding the proper wording. And this is the key, is you've got to know the words. I've had thousands of people come to me and say to me something to the equivalent of, I learned the words. I remembered the words. I listened to your material. I read the material, and I had the words, and I used the words. I said the words, and I made the sale. When you've got the words, it's almost like knowing the phone number or the combination to the lock. It's really quite amazing, because then you, with great confidence, you just simply say the words. And like a slot machine, the sale just falls out of the bottom. Ding, 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 into the tray, if you know the words. But if you don't know the words, Jeff, you're paralyzed. And that's the great problem. You know, the, the poet E.E. E. Cummings once said, always the beautiful answer who asks a more beautiful question. And I don't think he was talking about sales necessarily. He was probably talking about the big things of life, the things of God or what have you. But uh, I think in sales, we have to be consumed with what are the beautiful questions. Uh, yes. And if I'm regularly asking this and they're regularly responding with that and I don't like that, I should probably change this. It sounds like that's exactly what you did. Well, I, I just read a sales closing article just yesterday, mm-hmm. and it's something I've heard a thousand times, but it's beautifully put. She said, whenever she makes a presentation, she said, well, based on what you've told me, I think either A or B would be best for you. Mm-hmm. Which do you think would be best? That was That is her closing technique. She's one of the top salespeople in her industry. She always says, based on what you've said, A or B would be ideal for you. Which do you prefer? And her assumption was, you're going to prefer one or the other. It's not do you want it or not. 
for which do you prefer? We call this the alternative clothes or the preference clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how many people, when given a choice between A and B, will choose will choose A or B. <laughs> right. As opposed to, yeah. and, and, and the best closing technique that I've ever heard, which is so low-key, low-pressure, no-pressure, is called the invitational close. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, do you have any questions or concerns that I haven't covered? person says no. You say, well, then why don't you give it a try? Those words, well, then, why don't you give it a try? Mm-hmm. Are one of the, well, I've had people increase their sales and their income by 500% in a year, in an industry they've been in for years, go from driving a used car to a new car, go from an apartment to a home on the hill, go from dining at McDonald's to dining at defined restaurants by simply asking that question, well, then why don't you give it a try? Mm -hmm. Seems like a good idea. Why don't you give it a try? And they were just astonished, just astonished at how many people said, sure, why not? Mm -hmm. They walk out for the first few times days at how easy the sale is if you know the words. Right. Last question here, and thank you so much for the time. Part of this is certainly the technique. It's the words. It's critical. A big part of it, though, just based on what I have read of from, from you over the years, is how you see yourself and whether as a sales professional, you see yourself as being worthy of bringing that value of, of looking at it saying as a, as a doctor sees himself or herself or an attorney or, or, or an accountant that how we see ourselves as bringing value is going to be absolutely critical to this. It's so much of sales success based on just our self-confidence, which is really based on our paradigm of how we see ourselves? Yes. It's a a combination. I've taught this for years. I call it programming for success or mental programming for success. In selling, the most important factor is that you really believe in their product. You really believe in its goodness for the other person. You really believe that the other person's life or work will be benefited far more than the cost of the product. Mm -hmm. And you believe it at a fundamental level. The University of Chicago study I read some years ago said that your conviction in the goodness of your product for this prospect is the most powerful psychological factor in the sales process. Because customers are affected at a subconscious level by your subconscious conviction. It's not a conscious level. It's at an emotional, almost intuitive level. So I, I was sitting with a woman the other day who was telling me about her product. And she was explaining her product. Well, she wasn't trying to sell it. She was explaining the goodness of it and the, and the value and how it worked and, and, and the benefit that she and others had gotten from the product. And she was just explaining it to me like I, I'd asked her what she did. And she was kind of explaining it. She wasn't even trying to sell. By the time she finished explaining, which was not more than two or three minutes, I wanted to rip her product out of her hand. And so did the guy next to me on the one side and so did the person next to me on the other side. And she was a nice, mild-mannered little woman I mean, I don't mean that in any pejorative sense. You're 25. Yeah. She was not, a, but she sold without selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the most powerful of all approaches: is to sell without selling. Is you do not try to sell; you simply teach or show the prospect how much better off they could be by showing how much better off others have been with this product. And people just want to tear it out of your hand. Mm-hmm. There's two other things with regard to programming. Is, and I'm sure you teach this in your book, and so it's very important that people read your book. One is that the person you see is the person you will be. Yeah. So if you envision, mentally see yourself as a top professional, calm, confident, relaxed, 
positive, optimistic, cheerful, selling an incredibly valuable product, and you feed that picture into your mind, it will actually reorganize your self-concept and your self-image so you'll behave that way in a sales situation. Mm -hmm. Now, the most important thing that I want to pass on, and please pass this on, is the way you talk to yourself controls 95% of your emotions. And the most powerful words that you can use in selling are the words, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Prior to any call, any prospecting, prior to any closing technique, just say to yourself and smile, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And it's like a pile driver. Kaboom, 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 kaboom. Each time you say that, you drive this message deeper into your self-concept until at a certain point you hit pay dirt and it locks. And you'll find that all successful people are people who, to one description or they believe I can do it and they re they believe they can do it because they've told themselves it so many times that it's now become an automatic part of their personality so it's the most important thing you can learn in developing self-confidence and a positive self-image is just keep your, saying to yourself I can do it I can do this I can do anything I put my mind to I can do it I can do it I can do it and it's the opposite it can it is actually like a seesaw is as your, as your confidence goes up, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, your fears go down, 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 until your self-confidence overwhelms the fears that might cause you to hesitate. Mm -hmm. Sage advice from the legendary Brian Tracy. Mr. Tracy, thank you so very much for giving up your valuable time. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you, sir. It's a pleasure, Jeff. You and uh, all of our friends out there, go out and kick some butt. Well, there you go, Murph. Uh, boy, I'll tell you what. It, it, you just sort of get. Do you get to the, get the sense first of all that it would be difficult to stump Brian Tracy? It would. Uh, that guy's got a lot of knowledge. Uh, but what do you expect? Yeah. He's in the pantheon of people like uh, Napoleon Hill and Zig Ziglar. Come on. Uh, it, it is uh, really something to to know that you know he, he is. He has thought about this stuff for so long and it is so deeply ingrained in him. That he's got that that very self belief that he talked about uh, in the interview. You know that he has that self belief that he is very confident in himself and in his ability to make a big difference. And I assume Murph that like me, you listened to it and said, "Yeah, I I buy that. I I I get that. That that his confidence." It kind of rubs off a little bit as you listen to him, doesn't it? His confidence did rub off on me. I really appreciated all that he had to share. What do you think about this idea that if you act confidently, you will feel more confident? Was that believable to you, Murph? Was that uncomfortable for you? What did you think? You know, uh, he shared a, a number of concepts, including that. Uh, and, and I thought mm -hmm. the idea that boldness is learnable was, uh, was impressive. And uh, the fact that yeah, I, I really did take that to heart, that uh, that is something that is learnable. We think about confidence as a mindset versus a skill set. And I would look at it and say, well, if it's something that you can learn, that sounds like it's more of a skill set than a mindset. I think this is one of the problems that sales professionals sometimes have is they start thinking, well, I'm either confident or I'm not confident. Uh, but the reality is if you can train your brain into that confidence, and we always describe confidence as that intersection between belief and mastery, our belief in what we do and the mastery in which the way we do that, the byproduct of that is confidence. But when you believe, we look at belief and you look at mastery, those are things that can be learned. And therefore, that confidence is much more of a skill set than it is a mindset. It's not, it's not just a matter of sitting down and saying, I'm confident, dang it. Uh, it's really taking stock in what it is that we do that makes us 
confident. Uh, I did certainly love the idea, the concept that rejection is not a personal thing and that the fear is in the anticipation and not so much in the action. I love, Murph, too, the idea that uh, Brian Tracy's uh, suggesting that rejection is not personal and that, in fact, it is the the fear of the rejection that causes so much angst, so many mental gymnastics we go through. Once we're actually in the action, it's not that big a deal, but it's the fear that we have in front of rejection that really gets us sort of wrapped around the axle. I completely agree. I, you know, I, I think when we're trying to sell something, we're not uh, putting ourselves out there personally. We are putting our product out there. We're putting out you know, what it is that's going to benefit our customer. And so, uh, you know, we don't have anything to fear from that. Uh, if that gets turned down, it's not about us. It's about what was best for our customer, right? Well, I wrote about this in the book, Closing 2.0, when I talked about rejection in, in Closing 2.0, the idea that that people reject a concept. They're not rejecting a person, they're rejecting a concept. So when we ask them if they want to buy and they say, no, it's not, no, and by the way, I hate you. At least we certainly hope that's not the case. By the time you ask them if they want to purchase, you probably have a pretty well-established relationship. So we tend to confuse that a little bit sometimes. We think that the rejection is about us rather than the rejection being about a concept. But what the customer is really saying is, your product is not right for me at this time or at this price or whatever whatever objection they're bringing up. But it's not about us. Uh, I, I Finally, I loved uh, what Brian Tracy had to say about words and about proper wording. Uh, the idea that far too often we get into these habits, we get into these rhythms as sales professionals where we ask questions the same way every time because that's what we've always done. Right? We ask the same questions the same way. Maybe we were we learned it from another salesperson, we were trained on it somewhere, but but the question is, as a salesperson, are you thinking through strategically and creatively what is the best way to say this or to ask that? The question to me for a salesperson is like a paintbrush in the hand of an artist. And that question has to be used properly. But we want to ask ourselves, I'm going to just challenge you, listen to Brian Tracy's words, to challenge you, the listener, to ask, what is the best way to do this? What is the best way to go about asking this question or making that statement? That is so critical because our persuasive abilities are going to absolutely rely on our word choices, on the way that we ask questions. So I'm going to encourage you to always be reflective about that. Am I asking this question or am I making the statement the best possible way that I can? And finally, there was a discussion that Brian Tracy had about the way that we talk to ourselves. And the idea that the way we talk to ourselves is going to control our emotions. And it's funny because I was challenged about this years ago where somebody was talking about positive self-talk, the idea of what we feed into our brain. Now, I'm a cynic by nature. I'm a skeptical guy. And I actually called this. I knew this person. I said, I have to tell you, I I have to be honest, I've never really gotten into this whole self-talk thing, uh, the idea that I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me. And uh, he said something interesting. He asked me the question. He said, uh, Jeff, have you ever done anything stupid? I'm like, you mean like this morning? Like all, the, like all the time I'm doing stupid stuff. He says, great. When you do something stupid, what do you normally say to yourself? And I said, I'll usually say, oh, you idiot. What were you thinking? Something like that. And he said, oh, okay. 
So you do believe in self-talk. It's just that you only believe in negative self-talk? Then he made a very, very good point. My issue was not about self-talk. It was about the type of self-talk. And there is that question that says, when we feed our brain with positive energy, it does have a direct effect on our emotion. So I want to suggest you here that there's always a part of you that's going to, that voice in your head that's going to want to bring out the negative. You have to trumpet with the positive. How do you do it? Feed your brain with positive. Feast on positive. If you're a sales professional, you have to give out positive energy all day long. So you better be eating it for breakfast and you better be snacking on it all throughout the day because ultimately what's going to happen, what you carry in your energy, in your emotion, in your positivity is transferred to your customer and your customers make decisions in a way that is most that is easiest, that is most natural, most comfortable, and actually the most enjoyable when they are in a positive frame of mind. You need to control that. You need to own that. You saw that with Brian Tracy. He's a positive guy and he believes in the power of positive energy. This is up to you. Feast on positive energy. Go share it with somebody in your world and you can change the way that they live today. You can have that kind of an impact. Go feast on and give out the positive and you'll change someone's world. 